you take the ball and you lay on it in your most vulnerable areas. And if, if you can meet the chaos of the pinpoint, like, because again, it's like picking a lock and it's it's like pinpoint accuracy, like GPS lo location on your body within you, where that trauma lies and that specific angle. Like if you can find that thread with the ball and you can meet that chaos with absolute acceptance and you breathe into it and you spend time on it, you will let it go. Welcome to What I Meant to Say. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, founder of Be Better Media and a mom of four, passionate about human connection. Throughout my journey, I have experienced many What I Meant to Say moments. But since life doesn't give us do-overs, I've created a space to reflect and tell our stories again with a little more grace for ourselves and the hope that we can help others and be better for having listened. Welcome to What I Meant to Say. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and I'm here today with Josh Parrish. Um, he's a coach and real estate entrepreneur and um, with a tremendous generational healing story that I'm really excited to dig into. So thanks for coming. Appreciate you having me. I was really drawn to your story and how you have used um, you know, your life story to turn struggle into strength and the way that you inspire others to better health and longevity and um, all the while having a real estate career and kind of seems like through your story, you've done it all. But um, in that early part of your life, I was really drawn to the way that you had a, it seems like a really crystallizing view of what was going on around you. And could we start there and go back a little bit and um, you tell the viewers about your earlier life? Yeah. So growing up, born in the South, East portion of Alabama, very, very bottom, you know, good old country folk. That was my family. Um, and my mom, she was the hot young thing in town. She was 20. Dad was 35 and real estate entrepreneur doing his thing, uh, big fish in the, in the, you know, the town that sat just uh, about 20 miles away and, uh, didn't really know my dad till I was 20 or so, but, you know, I had a great stepdad and we moved around every couple of years. Not that he was in the military. He was rising in the ranks of a retail store and, you know, just being from simple farm folk. I mean, there, there even though everybody was really hardworking, just the, the more complex, deeper thoughts. Uh, it never really was prevalent in conversation. So, you know, moving around and being a fat kid because my family loved to feed me. We all love to eat, but I would just have to be the one to get fat because um, <laughs> I really like to eat more than everybody else. You know, it was, it was a very, very stressful time. And, you know, my, my original dad, he was a very deep thinker, very smart man. But, um, and that's where a portion of, I mean, obviously we're 50-50 mom and dad, but... You know, the stress from moving around, the stress from being the new kid. And, you know, that created just a lot of internal stress on me. And that, that made me have um, sleep paralysis multiple times per week. Uh, probably more often than not, three, four, five times a week, you know, the sleep demon lays on you. And, I mean, this was like age three, four, five, and all the way up till, you know, high school. And, you know, stress is, I mean, it, it made me think about you know, death and perception. And I was asking these deep questions to my family. I'll only just to, on occasion, just because I knew that they couldn't answer the questions. And so really I just had to deal with that internally myself because I couldn't go to anybody for help. And it, it, it forced the wild man in me, you know? So <laughs> That's really, really fascinating. Cause what I hear there in so many ways is like, you're a super highly sensitive soul bored and also when you blend that with the masculine way of dealing with stress there's a lot there with that was coming in for you with people that maybe weren't as loving as they they were as loving as they could be but couldn't really grasp the depth of what you were going through even as a child oh yeah i mean the the family support was there in terms of like i could go and lay my head on my grandma's lap at any time you know and they tell me they loved me but in terms of like processing what i was actually going through and this was this was the early 90s so did anybody really know what i was going through not that it was non-existent yeah. on the earth but just around where i was it was just like oh you know like it was a bad dream <laughs> so like it was very yeah 
Yeah, it was very dismissive. Tell me a little bit more about that sleep paralysis. Like for people that don't know what that means, can you can you define it and then then tell me a little bit what it feels like? Sleep paralysis is so you lay down and your body can't move, but you're awake. You can open your eyes and it feels like something's on you. Like, and I, I don't know, I never woke up with scratches or anything. It wasn't anything like that type of situation, but feeling a presence of something in the room with you and your mind is completely capable. You can think about things. And I just know the entire time that I had sleep paralysis, I was just praying to get up, like, let me up, let me up, let me up. And that's scary to deal with when you're a child. And ultimately, like, I know once in a blue moon, I'll get sleep paralysis now. And it still, it still wicks me out. Like I, I still, same thing. I, I don't stay in the same room. I have to get up and switch rooms and then I'll, I'll go back asleep and I'm just like, whatever you are, don't follow me in here. So. Yeah. Wow. It's intense, especially knowing how important sleep is. You and I were just talking before we started about the aura ring and knowing, you know, how sleep is pretty much like the foundation of our health. So when you're not sleeping and getting that good sleep, that's, that's, it's scary on a, health level it's scary on a spiritual level there's just there's a lot there so many benefits to a good night's sleep and it's really where you process all the traumas and emotions and 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 you know the things that you've taken in from the day prior i mean there's just and if you're scared to go to sleep or you can't be scared to go to sleep like i mean i mean you can but you have to do it like it's crazy yes yes it's part of being human right but yeah that's a struggle so Tell me how, like, how did, how did you, um, come through those years and then get, you know, get to where, how'd you spend your days? How, how did the people around you, as you were realizing what you were dealing with, how did that, how did that transform? Well, you know, I had the opportunity to, to move around a lot growing up. And so I didn't really have a network of friends to talk with, but in terms of like perception and seeing that the adults that knew what they were doing really didn't know what they were doing. I mean, they were, they were operating as as best they could, but realizing that, you know, Hey, adults are humans. I just, I I realized that I could really recreate myself in any way, wherever we went. And, you know, it just, it gave me just a, Oh, I guess it's a deeper insight on just the, I, uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, whoa, like this is every time I talk yeah. about it, it's kind of mind blowing, but, but no, just like reality shifts in minuscule ways and your perception on things. It, it really, uh, well, I mean, it, it pretty much dictates the outcome of things. I mean, you can really position people around you to do things, you know, just by the way that you present a topic. So but in terms of how I coped with it, I mean, I just, I was just a kid that liked to play ball. Um, and, but I knew that psychologically I was a lot different than other people. And you can only let out so much because, I mean, moving every year or so and being able to recreate my story, I knew that if you said one thing, then people were going to identify and define you by that. So, you know, then I was like, okay, well, I said this at this point at this school or this person. Now they think of me like this. So now we're leaving. So I know not to say that again going forward. And I've just, I've been habitual with recreation of myself for, for forever. You know, they say like every seven years, people have this, you know, seizure of like, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to be somebody new now. I go through that every 12 months. It's insane. So uh, I've, I've literally had so many deaths of prior versions of myself and I just, I teach people, you know, I teach my clients, like you are defined by the stories that you tell yourself and you either have to work through those stories or you have to retell the story in a different light. So. Wow. That's, that's an awesome way to put reframing. I totally get that from a coaching perspective. And it's really interesting to hear you talk to, talk about the like redefining yourself and every 12 months that's that's intense it's extremely um, stressful because i mean like yeah and now i do have i have acquaintances i do have some friends of course and people when i go out i mean i'm i'm socially you know accepted i'm a butterfly in terms of like people love to talk to me 
and I'm more interested than interesting, you know? So that's the whole, like, being socially. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I get around just fine. But, but yeah, I, I try not to talk to too many people that know me often just because I'm like, nope, you know, old version of Josh. That's going to keep me from, from where I'm going. So, wow. yeah, that's kind of not, not a great way to look at relationships, but you you really are a composition of the stories that you tell yourself and the stories that are told to you about you. So, oh, gosh. Yeah. I could not agree with you more on that. I often um, watch... It's something that I've realized through my own healing process that, that those stories that people tell you growing up when you're young, that there, there is something to that. You begin to inhabit that character if someone says you're shy or you're outgoing or you're an introvert or extrovert, and you, you take that on because it's being accepted around you. But shedding that is huge. And I often watch parents and in, even in coaching parents, I'll say like, don't. It's our job to help them discover who they are rather than tell them who they yeah. are. And that is powerful. I hear that, you know, in your story. And I'm, I'm really curious if you had to um, describe these reinventions and the new pattern, you know, shedding the old and, and turning towards the new, could you kind of give a couple different examples of the versions of yourself, things that you've been and things that you've shed or embraced? Yeah. So if you go back on my Facebook, you know, I started, you know, Facebook 2009, I've got a solid dozen plus looks that I've always, you know, I've, I've changed up, you know, one, I'd be a model, you know, with long hair, you know, and 195 pounds, or then I'd be 240 with a nose ring and shaved head and look just like I was going to, you know, a berserker, you know, just going to go mess somebody up, you know, then I got like my hippie version. I've got my business version of myself. You got my, you know, fitness, uh, you know, athletic version of myself. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, there's so many different portions of me. And then like, if I get a girlfriend, uh, you know, they might call me like a sociopath or something. Cause they're like, you're never the same with, with anybody. And it's like, well, you have to kind of cater to your audience of who, because I've had so much success with training people because I connect with them on such a deep level. And then it's like, we're in a bubble. You know, like it's, it's, a yeah. title, it's, it's, it's an energy exchange and, you know, I don't do personal training anymore, but that, this was the, the best example, like in the gym, nobody else mattered. And we were always doing like unique exercises. So people were looking in and people would usually be self-conscious coming into the gym. Cause they, you know, they're getting a trainer to, you know, to walk you through exercises and whatnot, and especially doing weird exercises that other people aren't doing, you know, they would even heighten the self consciousness or self-awareness and like like oh i'm kind of nervous but i would create a bubble of it's just you and me and like this is what you should be doing so and i just haven't seen a lot of people be able to do that um but i mean I don't people can but but yeah so yeah no that's interesting and you do have i, I mean we're just on zoom and and you can feel like you do have a very clear energy and yet I'm trying to, and you have, your inner world seems very deep and like you've been in your own mind a lot. You understand yourself very well. And yet to have all of those different, like for lack of a better word, personas that you're, you, you say, you know, you can take those out into the world and, and to fit in. How do you make sense in your mind of your deep inner world versus all of these going out into the world to be whatever version of yourself? I am alone most of the time just because my mind moves very, very fast, a lot faster than my mouth. <laughs> and I don't want people to tell me that I'm not authentic because I do change so often. And, but you know, I mean, I'm just here to, to inspire and, and to connect and, and I do that best, you know, either on stage or one-on-one, -on -one. like in a group setting, oh, I'm just, I, and I, I do go out and I can be the life of the party but it's just, it's, it's so taxing on me because I'm always worried about other people's experience. And I can see, I can see how people are, are superficially handling the moment, but then I can see it in their face and their mannerisms, like what they're, if they're really present or not. And then, yeah. and because like, I'm the ultimate party host, 
because I make sure that everyone co like feels appreciated for being there and then they have a novel experience while they're, but I'm just, I'm, I'm running at a party. Just like, it's crazy. And I, I, I don't yeah. have, I don't have any option to do anything different, but that, uh, and I, I forget who wrote the book, but, um, Bryn Brown or something like that. But anyway, oh. a codependent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I had a friend that told me like, Josh, you're codependent, like terribly codependent. And, uh, and I, yeah, I probably am. Cause I do, I do, I do subscribe to the overfilleth the well, you know, if somebody poured into you, then I'm supposed to pour in 200%, you know? And, and I, I tend to overgive in my relationships and then I can kind of be, I mean, I, I do get a little upset if people don't replenish the well like I do. I mean, I know that people aren't going to necessarily do it like me, but but yeah, I'm 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 one to subscribe to like you got to maintain the relationship by overgiving to to that. Interesting. Person. Yeah. Yeah, and so. that I mean, that, to me, what I hear in there, like, how do you manage burnout? Because when you're overgiving you know, that there is a prescription for yeah, like where you say enough's enough and I got to get out of here. Well, I'm, I'm very, very choosy with who I spend my time with for sure. Cause I mean, I just, I, I don't have the ability to just go hang out. Like I, I, I won't do it. I don't do small talk. And I mean, most of my relationships have ended because they're like, Josh, you're too much. Like you just, you are too much. Cause I will, I have a merciless scalpel. I can pick apart the best of the best. And, and I, I mean, I'd be nice about it, but at the same time, like I'm hell on a contract. That's why I'm really good in real estate and terms mm -hmm. and like negotiations. And it's just all these micro things that, but, um, I, I feel like you have a really important message for highly sensitive people. I am. Highly, yeah. I am highly sensitive, even though I like, I don't want to admit it, but yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sensitive to folks and to, things the energy the yeah. energy in the room the but in in so many ways it seems like you've learned to use that um for good and and you know to produce in the world to find a purpose to 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 fill yourself up but do you ever feel like the highly sensitive um is it is it does it become too much in this day and age or have you figured out how to manage it oh absolutely yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a burden. I mean, it's a, like, what, a gift and a curse, mm -hmm. you know, cause I mean, there's every, everything's got its, its negative aspects. So, I mean, cause I mean, if you're one of the best in the world at something, then your other realms are just crumbling around you. Like there is no number one that has a, a good life. Like, uh, I'm, to say it, but yeah. Yeah. I, the cost of the cost of greatness. I just have to remind myself like, Hey, you know, you don't think like other people, but I have the opportunity to really do something wonderful while I'm here. And it's just like, do I, do I want to go be like numb and average? And, and I don't know what I feel like I live my life in a great manner. And it's like, no, like I, I've, I've tried myself to sleep all, well, especially all throughout school, just wanting to be, wanting to be popular, wanting, wanting people to love me. And, and now, I mean, I know that, you know, people will give me the time of day and talk to me and, and, and they, yeah, they like me, but will they invite me to the party? It's like, eh, I don't know. Just cause I don't want, I won't go. But then I don't, I don't really job in that fraternity type setting. Like I'm a Freemason. Right. And I, you know, okay. but, but I just don't, I don't like that fraternity, that, that fraternity type situation. I just don't, I don't, I, the whole like, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a leader, you know, but yeah, but I don't, I don't go hang out with the boys. Like, so what do you say? That's such a powerful message, I think, even to the next generation right now, because this world of social media and constant comparison that we're living in, um, it's one thing for adults, which we feel it too. But I think this next generation coming up has it even harder than we do, because they've always had that comparison in their face. And knowing that we have that desire to be liked and loved and be popular, how have you come through that? And what would your advice be? to them about what you've learned about being popular or at least the, back in the day you're just competing against like mr jones down the street that got the new buick or something right and you know the, yeah. the big bitch in the small pond but now i mean it's just so in your face about you know like hey this 12 year old making million dollars a month and 
<laughs> you know, like, you know, yeah. like, like, totally. oh, you know, you know a teen yeah. girl can make me feel bad, but you know, like, yeah, <laughs> itching to call yeah. it, you know, so really, and it's, it's tough, but you know, just doing, doing what you can with what you got and, and really just try to know that people just, you know, it's all clout on the internet. Now there's a lot of great things out there. It's an awesome tool, but, but yeah, you just, you, you just, you can't, you can't compare your story to somebody else's i mean that's just at the end of the day i know it's cliche but you know some people are born on third base some people you know just have the juice and can go a lot faster in some things than you like yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's so true i have those conversations with my kids all the time and yeah the starting line is not equal it's not the same for everybody yeah. and learning how to yeah i do think that that's one of the greatest things about coaching is helping helping people find their unique gifts because it's already within them. It's just often it's so hard for us to see it on our own. And I do think that's one of the greatest things about coaching is that that discovery that people find when they just building confidence in, in such small things, right? I mean, working out or, you know, the way that you're able to hold a conversation or do a job, a simple job, not a million dollar a year job, but just like realizing that it's it's all built in the small moments and not not these yeah. highlight reels that we're we're all, everyone's watching these days, you know. Yeah, those small incremental wins they generate the momentum needed to to carry you through times that maybe you don't feel like you know being strong. But if you've generated so much self belief through showing up for yourself, then it's just I mean then it's in your being. So and then by creating that being the other people, your network will, you know, tell you that story of like, Hey, you know, that's who you are. And that's going to, that's going to help you along. So, but it is, it is having that, that eye of the samurai, like, you know, they can identify like a hundred weapons in the room or whatever. It's like figuring out how you can win in the moment, wherever you are. And that's, that's huge on how I, how I coach people is, you know, it's not necessarily, you're not going to be in a bubble and, and everything's going to be, you know, perfect so you have to figure out you know one you know it's not what to think it's how to think and if you can if you can figure out you know how you can win in the moment at all times then you know you're going to go great places yeah amen if you don't mind i'd love to go back a little bit and talk about um you know your your relationship and what you learned through your relationship with your your family and particularly your dad i i think that's just a really there's so much to this generational healing component and you know we love who we love i think children are born to love their parents and man it we still love them no matter what i mean parents are human we do things that aren't great but you know there's a lot in your story there i noticed um that has helped you become the person you are today even through the the struggle so could yeah. you break that, that down a little bit yeah, so, well, you know, when it, I mean, when it comes to my father, uh, he's he's passed away now a couple of years ago, but um, it didn't necessarily end, the, you know, in, a, in an ideal manner because he, he passed away uh, from COVID or he, you know, was hospitalized with it and he had some prior health issues with his heart, but uh, I had not spoken to him for about three years prior to his death and, you know, but but backtracking a little bit, Met him when I was like 22, 23 years old. Called his phone number off of a billboard because, well, you know, he had billboards in town. And and you 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 always knew he was your father. I didn't know until I was about seventeen. My mom and I we got in a fight when I was bad drunk, and she's like, you know, I don't know. My mom. Okay, so just interject here real quick. My mom, my best friend, but also complete saboteur you know like just will will you know cut me to the bone first strike you know like we're we're gonna get in a fight and i'm like i don't want to hear your shit and then she's like you know something just the worst thing you could ever say to a person you know just like instant just like kill shot and it's just like and my brother's the same way my brother my little brother nuke and uh love them both to death but yeah i mean that was what surrounded me I mean, it, it made me, it made us vicious, you know, but I mean, we're extremely loving, but that's just how they fight. And I don't, I don't necessarily fight like that. 
you know, I, I mean, I know how to fight, but like, that's just, you don't go for the jugular the first shot. Now, maybe the third, yeah. but not the first. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was, cause I had a drinking problem in my late teens. And, you know, she's just like, you know, she screamed at me that, you know, Alan wasn't my dad and, you know, Steve was. So, in, in a nutshell, and that, that, that was like, oh man, like, that's crazy. Made some, made sense, but like, it's like, that's just not a way to tell somebody about no. that. So, Mother's very, I mean, she was just extremely immature, still is, but still loving and would give me absolutely everything that she ever had laid down the road for me. So, you know, we've all got our demons. But yeah, so met dad, met Steve when I was 22, 23-ish. And, you know, I could just see his face in that first meeting. He's like, this is me 2.0 because we look exactly the same. Very, very deep thinkers, you know, and I was just, at that time, I was just super into bodybuilding, and at that by that time, he was like 60. He had blown up his hip and like just, you know, just not physically where he wanted to be, but I just saw it in his face. It's like, oh, man, like, I knew that he cared for me since I was part of him, but I knew, like, I just could sense, like, oh, like, I don't like this, and you, you hear about these historical stories of kings that they had their their sons especially alexander the great his dad like they despised each other and alexander the great surpassed his father's greatness i mean because well alexander the great's dad was a drunk and you know alexander the great conquered the world by the time he was like 30 something so you know just like i just oh and my my dad actually he, he sabotaged me multiple times throughout my life he always gave me good advice and even in his absence because I internalized like a firm father figure within me because I would go and seek counsel with myself as crazy as that sounds, but I would talk myself in different voices to like, okay, this is how you should process this. And I would come to the right answer, you know, or I, or I wouldn't, but, but yeah, so, I mean, at least a half a dozen times in my life, I uprooted a, a, a career and a life from just around the United States because Steve and I we were going to do some kind of business. And I always wanted that acceptance from my dad. Like in, in my late 20s, 27, 28, 29, like I was probably obsessed with acceptance from my father, even though I never got it. And I don't, I don't like to admit it, but yeah, I mean, I, I was obsessed and like it, it crippled, it crippled me. It really did. Even though like I'm not physically, but, and actually I do have some, some on my masculine portion, like I've got some like physical like issues because I just I have unprocessed trauma and I'm working on it. But, but yeah, just, you know, just because they're your parents doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to have your best interest at heart. And even if they do have your, their best interest at heart, there's still things that they're not telling you in the back of their mind. Like there's always details. There's always ulterior motives. There's always something that maybe they can't display or they're ashamed to tell you, but yeah, I mean, and every single time, like Steve and I, we never got any kind of business going and I would, you know, I would completely quit a job, break up with a girlfriend, be on the road to Alabama. And if I didn't, if I didn't actually make it to town, oh, within a couple hours of me, you know, trailer in tow, like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's just not going to work out this time. And it's just like, it's like, and I was just like, oh, how many times I was just thinking, like, how many times I'm going to let this happen? You know, how many times you will grab an electric fence before you learn your lesson and you know the last time that occurred uh, i uprooted my life uh living in kansas city and even though i wanted to move back down south uh you know he had promised me a spot in one of his uh, strip centers for me to start my, my healing dojo and he's like yeah man that sounds great you know like get that going and well, i pulled up to his gym and i got out and i was like hey steve and like that they were him and his crew were going over there and put a sign on my on my space, but it was a tobacco market. Like it was a tobacco shop. And I'm like, and I just, I, I wasn't even mad at that point, but because I, it already happened like five or six times prior, it was just like, Oh my God. Like he, he, like I'm, I am 32 years old. Like, am I going, and I wasn't even mad, but at that, that day I showed out in a manner because it was more of an act instead of a reaction. And yeah, I mean, like I did some, I did some pretty, you know, aggressive things, you know, but at the same time, I, I just, I, I had to do it because like, it was just, just had to show like, Hey, like I respect myself. 
You know, you're not going to keep doing yeah. this. And I honestly, I wish that I would have reached out, you know, before his death because there, he did teach me a lot of good things over the course of, you know, when we knew each other, but, and even in his absence, like I still appreciate him for all the things that he wasn't there to teach me. But, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, just no matter how much you hate somebody or, or how much somebody's done you wrong, you still have to learn to appreciate them and you, you never want to burn a bridge or end it on a note that you have to forever think about like, well, damn, like maybe I should have, like I could have reached out because I mean, you know, me, he was, he was my dad and I looked exactly like him, you know, it's like, well, you know, of course I would have wanted to wish him, you know, well on his death, you know, or, you know, tell him I'm sorry or something like that. So, and that was probably more for me that I should have reached out than for him. But yeah, I didn't get the opportunity. So whatever grudge you have, you got to put it aside and just, you know, just have some sort of, because yeah. if you have that open book for the rest of your life, you're always going to think about what if. Yeah. I, I, I hear you on that. And then I also, I've, I've realized, you know, through my own journey, um, one of the things I, mantras I tell myself is, you know, um, we find our own closure, like yeah. that concept that like what we what we carry like often we're looking to someone else to bring us that closure and i think that ha that can easily happen with parents and children right because we are always you know inextricably linked and loving um almost you know sometimes to a fault but that love is always there right but yeah. the forgiveness you seem to have a really um great relationship with forgiveness and do you think that that's um led to your growth even through really hard things I walked around so angry for so long and that's just self-imprisonment. You, if you, you have to forgive and take the lessons from the losses. If you don't take lessons from losses, then they're actually losses. But if you take them as, you know, if you take it as a learning opportunity and I'm talking about like even the worst of the worst, because who's the guy that wrote a man search for many Victor Frankel. And, mm -hmm. you know, he was a Holocaust survivor and he saw his family die around him. He saw thousands of people die around him and he knew he had to survive so he could tell his story. But and I don't know if he, he forgave, you know, what was going like the Nazis and what had gone on around him. But that man probably didn't walk around with hatred in his heart, you know, and, and it, the only thing that you're doing, like if you have a grudge against somebody, they don't care. You know, I don't care at all. It's it's you're the it's you're the one that's affected. So I mean, if you would walk around mad, and, like have a tendency of traps and like just shallow breath and self conscious, and just be angry, and people can feel that your energy's off just because you can't process like your anger towards a situation. Well, you're just ruining your own life, and that's just me, not one to affect my future self because I can't let go of what happened in the past. So, yeah, there. yeah, I can hear so much in your, it, it, you know, a lot between the spiritual world and the, and the, um, like meditative, you know, physiological, you have, you blended a lot of the spiritual world and the, and the physiological, um, be, you know, mind, body, spirit connection to heal. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty gifted in terms of, cause I'm, I am a massage therapist. I've got a license, but I, I, mean, I call myself a a wizard per se, but, but yeah, I just, I can, I can watch people like walk in a room and I'm like, Oh, this is your spot, you know? And then like, well, cause I'm, I have a wrestling mat here and then I've got a massage room upstairs, but I don't do like full body stuff. But, but yeah, we, we manifest or we have traumas that we process. And then like whatever's going on in our body, like our, our muscle tissues, like absorb that, that situation. And it kind of sticks with us. But when I work in these most vulnerable tissues, which it takes, it takes a moment to like gain that trust. But yeah, I have people create massive breakthroughs on my table, like every single time it's wild like that. And it doesn't matter. They could be a girl. They could be a grown man. Like they're crying on my table because there's like, oh my God, like, cause literally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, the mind is the body. The body is the mind. And, and you, you could actually unlock genius through your movement practice because like neuroplasticity and muscle plasticity, they're one in the same. 
And with sensory motor amnesia, sorry to throw out these big words, but we forget movement patterns. But we have the opportunity to create fine motor movements with just various portions of our body, just not our hands. And that opens up channels of our mind that are unexplored. Therefore, you think more dynamically and you're more in tune with infinite intelligence than the creator that lives within you, but also outside of you too. So, and, and yeah, like you can, you can totally decide to process these traumas, but there has to be a physical aspect of it too. You can't, you can't work on mental stuff just through the mental. So true. And I, I was just saying to a friend the other day that I, I spent a lot of my adult life, especially in the last 10 years, kind of beating up on myself saying, why do you need, you know, and some things you can do on your own. I'm really into yoga and, and as an athlete, I've always known that I feel better after I move. If I'm stuck, I go for a walk. There's a lot of things you can do on your own that don't cost any money. But, you know, there is also body work that absolutely that someone else has to be a part of. And I never knew why I was drawn to that. And it felt like, oh, you need a spa day. But the more you learn about healing, you realize it's not it's not the spa. It's the actual unlocking of those stories from your tissues. And I don't, I feel like um, Gabor Mate has talked a lot about that. Um, his books are, and anything I can find of his, I feel like he's just a sage. And I, but there's so much I still feel like is not out there. I feel like we're just starting to touch on this link between body, mind, and spirit and how it affects our immune system and our our relationships and our it's when you really lock into you creating your health we don't even we don't talk enough about the things that we need to do to create health and i can hear that i mean to see where you've been and where you where you've you know landed today and how you're helping people with that um if there was something you could say on that that topic alone you know what would you say? You gotta, you gotta explore yourself. And even because Westernized medicine, even though, I mean, like it's done a lot of great for society, it's very one dimensional. It's, it's very like attack a symptom. And just because they're a doctor, they've gone through school. It doesn't necessarily mean that they know everything. So you can tell a doctor no, and like, no, that's not right. But, but yeah, ultimately you gotta, you gotta just get into the studies for yourself. And I know people don't have time, but if you just sit, but the cure is within you. Like if you, if you have an imbalance or, or something going on with your body, like you have the cure. And then most ailments are environmental, like most cancers. And again, like hope we don't get in trouble about the algorithms or whatever, but like, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, just there's like an unofficial stat that, that most ailments are stress induced and environmental. And especially, you know, cancers, you know, cause I mean, I don't know, it wasn't around a couple hundred years ago, but I guess different types of cancers weren't super prevalent a couple hundred years ago, but it's all this new yeah. chemicals and, and stressors and yeah, it's just it's Absolutely. very neat. Yeah. Yeah. Our environment. Yeah. It's very hard. Our environment in America is very hard on our health. And I heard a statistic yesterday that only 12% of Americans are metabolically healthy. 12%. I believe it. I mean, that's, we have a lot of work to do. And the, the fact that in, in medicine today and in coming, if, if a doctor's coming through medical school, nobody talks about the effect of trauma on the body and how it affects your health. So for a doctor not to be trained, it's no wonder that there's this crop of, you know, body workers and somatic healers and so much energy work being done out there maybe it's just because i'm paying like i know i pay closer attention to it now because i'm drawn to that too but it just doesn't make sense that like our our yes western medicine does do some good things but the fact that there's no training on that is it's mind-blowing to me and you know it it's tough because my mind always drifts to be the devil's advocate you know if someone's like okay. super poor westernized medicine or christianity then i'm trying to poke holes in their beliefs and their knowledge not that it's a bad thing but then you got like your super woo woo universe person of the universe and hippie yeah. and, I'm, and I, all of a sudden like i'm devil's advocate over here you know i'm like steak I, i'm a steak eater 
but uh you know like i'm trying to <laughs> like yeah you know like <laughs> yeah and it's because like so many people dive down these rabbit holes and yes you want to be a master in the space but at the same time it's like maybe it's a blend of both sides that we need to look at even though to live in the middle is purgatory like when we look at health and wellness, like, yeah, like let's, let's study some, some Westerized medicine and understand what they're doing. But then on this side, like let's study the hippie stuff. And like the, your answers are in the middle there. And like, cause I, I'm not like, if my arms cut off, I'm not going to go eat some dirt, you know? And then like, if I have like some traumatic issues, like I'm not going to go and like say, Hey doc, give me an anti-anxiety pill. You know, like I'm not doing that. Yeah. But, and you know, the, and cause I'm, I'm, I've been coaching people for so long, but I've just stepped on in the online coaching space and, you know, there's, there's a lack of masculinity in the, in the world today. And then these new age male coaches they're you know, it's all about like, Hey, work out super hardcore. It's all about motivation and just get it done. And then you got soy boys that are just like super all about like all process your trauma and their arms are like six inches big. And it's like, it's like, how are y'all coaches? Like, come on, like, let's blend it. Let's blend it a little bit, you know, like. So good. And I, I would love to come back to that. What you said about um, the lack of, of masculinity coming through um, in the healing space, because I do think I see that and you know, it, the blend is different for everyone. I think everyone should be themselves. But can you can you elaborate a little bit more on your thoughts on that? Because that, that's pretty genius. And I, I would agree with you. Well, you know, first of all, you know, healing is is, uh, I don't know, you, you think of, of mothering when you think of healing. Right. And that that's all well and good. And and we there's definitely, you know, two sides to each coin. And, but I mean, there's also some, some great male healers out there, but it's, it's really, you have to diagnose yourself. You do want to seek, you know, our professional help and an insight, but ultimately we know where we're, where we're, we're backsliding and what we need. And, you know, there's time, there's times that you need the compression. There's times that you need compassion and it's, it's really up to you to figure out, you, you have to, you have to know enough to coach yourself a little bit. Right. But, but shame yeah. out of more masculinity is never a bad thing. But at the end of the day, if you're like so caught up in your head and you've already done the hardcore workout and you're still in your head, then maybe it's not going to beat yourself up more. Right. So, because, you know, you can only, you can only do so much physical practice before, you know, you just completely break down like the point of right. negative. So, yeah. You know, I, sorry, I just kind of went off on a tangent and maybe didn't answer your question, but, but yeah, it's just, we, we have to really play devil's advocate more of like the, the coaching that we seek. And if we have, and, and coaching is never ending, like, but you only need to wait, we need to learn from one coach at the time so you can fully process and internalize what they're saying. And if you, if you have the hippie coach this time, then maybe you need to go get somebody that's like, Stonewall Jackson, the next. Being able to take in other perspectives, that's, I mean, that is a huge, a, a huge gain in life. I, I think that shows, you know, that's that's also a step on the maturation process of, of, you know, evolving through our healing. But you hit on something there that I think the the journey of going within and like learning do you have some tools or some tips for people? Because I think that's a really hard thing to do. And we're often looking outside for someone to help us, but I know there are things that we can do on our own. Um, how, what, what are your, um, your favorite go-tos for, for the best ways we can turn inward? I like the journal. I have a notebook that I carry around everywhere. And I, 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 usually you know map out you know my thoughts and my plans and then i really analyze the stories that i'm telling myself from time to time because they tend to swirl in our heads and yeah. with no resolution or yeah no no resolution no solution so going within and going deep on asking you know you know why you want this specific outcome or why is this happening you can usually figure it out within one page 
like you just you're writing and then you you start to attack like okay well you know this happened and this happened but i'm thinking this and then and usually i mean for me like in, in one page in 15 minutes i can i can map it out and this teacher it was a substitute teacher i skipped her english class in 11th grade and she's like i'm not going to write you up because i know you just you've been written up a lot you know and like she was cool with this, but she, she kept me after school and she's like, you're going to sit here and you're going to write for an entire hour. And I'm like, about what? And she's like, I don't care, but maybe you should just think about what's going on. And for the first couple of minutes, wow. I didn't, but then it was just like, oh, you know, I stayed an extra 10 minutes just, I mean, cause I, and I wrote and wrote and wrote and I'm just like, wow, like the the answers are within you but you have to uncover you have to uncover things because and if you if you tell this because it, again like the stories we tell ourselves it, it shapes our reality and what we do but if you had a traumatic circumstance you know that you tell yourself that story you're just you're, you're not working through it you're just you're, you're bringing up those same feelings you're reliving that traumatic circumstance but if you can go and you can find those lessons to, to take away from it and then maybe some alternatives of like how things could have happened if you acted differently or, you know, you go into gratitude and forgiveness of like the person that, you know, you forgive that person that did you wrong, no matter what, that's a way to, to kill that dragon is because wow. you have to be brave enough and patient enough to sit there and actually write. And so many people, they yeah. They're, they're just like, oh, I don't have the patience to sit there and write for an hour. Or, or, you know, they're just like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with it right now. It's like, well, and I tell people that, you know, that want to come get body work from me. It's like, yes, it's going to be painful, but the solution to your pain is through the pain. Like you, you have, you have to go and deal with more pain if you want to get rid of that. So like, say you're walking around with, with an eight of eight out of 10 of pain every day. Well, let's just go ahead and, and let's just let's just make that a twelve out of ten for a little while, and let's just get over it, you know. Like, and and yeah, your your practitioner, you don't want to you don't want to reach a twelve out of ten uh, on the intensity scale, but but sometimes when you're ready, you're willing to you're willing to do whatever it takes to get through that that darkness. And I yeah. I do body work, and that's what I teach people is to actually do the body work on themselves. Now, yes, you want someone to peel out, uh, you know, like maybe some problem areas, but it's like unlocking a lock. It's like picking a lock and our traumas are layered, right? So you may unlock something and then like all of a sudden a new pain and it's just like, Oh God, is it? It's because it, it, it really is never ending. And it's layers throughout your life. Yeah. But, but yeah, I teach people how to take care of themselves because not everybody's going to have a wizard and they're, you know, that's available. Right. Oh, and then even even a, a half wizard, like maybe the massage therapist that you like is booked out for the next two weeks. If they're good, they're booked out. So you have like and just know like if your leg hurts, well, you got two hands and you can you can you can lay across something, but it's all about just yeah. letting go and just accepting yeah. like, hey, like you're you're holding on to this tension in that specific area, like you're you're doing it to yourself. So yeah. But yeah, so many people don't know that. And I think it's getting into that, that body work. And I think for athletes, like we're, we're taught to lock it down and like, keep working harder, keep working harder. I tell you the first time I laid on a yoga block and, and released my psoas, I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's always in the blend of like, if we're going hard one direction, coming back around and looking at, you know, something that's, you know, if you're going hard, looking for something a little softer, if you're way down and you, you, you learn how to challenge yourself and build your confidence that way. So I, I yeah. see so much of that coming through your work. It's so, it resonates with me and it's, it's really, really awesome. So this right here. All right. Like this is okay. Like the absolute, like God send of a tool. All right. And okay. first of all, like it's great because it's super dense. It's a batting cage ball. And this is a baseball, but there's also a softball too. And what I teach people, and you can use any instrument you want, but you take the ball and you lay on it in your most vulnerable areas. And if, if you can meet the chaos of 
the pinpoint, like, cause again, it's like picking a lock and it's, it's like pinpoint accuracy, like GPS lo location on your body within you where that trauma lies and that specific angle. Like if you can find that thread with the ball and you can meet that chaos with absolute acceptance and you breathe into it and you spend time on it, you will let it go. Like that, that is the whole entire like methodology, like the secret behind everything I do is like, like, yeah, I can lay my hands on you and, and like, we'll find it. And like, I can work on you for a little bit, but I can't, I can't sit there for as long as you need me to, because that time duration is within you. Right. And like, I get yeah. tired, you know, but if you, if you sit there and you meditate, and you lay on a ball, like it, it'll, it will unlock like, and it, wow. It is absolute chaos. Like you are like, you're, you're like, I'm being tortured. I'm being tortured. Like bamboo shoots under the fingernails. Like it's, it's wild. Like it really is. Yeah. Like as an athlete, you've had doctor, like you've had people like, mm. up on you're like, oh shit. You know, like, yeah. And yeah, like, actually like apply pressure, constant pressure and breathe through it. And then try to just like, just give into it. Like that's, it's the secret. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I hope people can hear the analogy in that, you know, how that body work plays out in our life. I mean, it's not the running away from the pain. It's the, the like you said, it's the going through and seeing what we learn and what we unlock. And I, it's, it is an absolute parallel from our bodies to our minds, to our spirit. So it's pretty cool work. And it's real. I'm, I'm inspired by what you do. I love seeing how it's run through your own life story. And one of the questions that I always ask everybody that's come on my show is, um, what's a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? To love yourself more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, definitely could have, definitely could have used some more love. I mean, I, I got love from other people, but yeah, I could, I could have definitely used more self love and still, yeah, absolutely. I need that. I need that yeah. advice. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? I I agree with you, and it's it's a lifelong journey. So, and one that I can tell you're on, and it's it's really cool. I have absolutely loved hearing your story, and I think it can help a lot of people. So, thank you so much for coming on. And I also I want to know. Um, I want people to know where they can find you, um, to connect. So, can you let us know what's the best place to find you? Yeah, my link tree. It's thejoshparish.com. And you got my Instagram, my Twitter, my, I'm not, I'm not really ever on Twitter, but yeah, I'm pretty much always on Instagram, but everything's at thejoshparish.com. Great. Okay. Well, your, your message and your life story is amazing. And I thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, yeah, let's stay in touch. Really good stuff. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm Wendy Jones, and this is what I meant to say here with Josh Parrish, just here to remind you to be real, be you, and be better. Thank you for joining us on What I Meant to Say, another production of Inspired Edutainment, brought to you by Be Better Media.